G'day, my name's Martin Murray and you're listening to the In The Paddock podcast, where we talk all things farming. So today we're talking cover crops, what they are and how they fit in the Australian system. First I've got to apologise that this is just another episode of me rambling. Uh, I did have a few interviews lined up, but uh, we just haven't been able to find a time to make it work uh, between the previous episode and now, so hopefully by the time this is up I'll have recorded one and it'll be up in two weeks' time. Also, you may hear a few noise in the background, a few birds chirping and a bit of rain on the tin roof. Recording this in my office and, yeah, just the sounds of rural Australia. It's lovely. So, first up, cover crops. What are they? Basically, a cover crop is a crop that's been planted purely to maintain ground cover. It doesn't really have an economic purpose. You're not going to harvest it. You're not going to bale it. You're not going to graze it. It's really just a crop that is being used solely for cover just to increase organic matter and build up that ground cover. Cover crops have really gained a bit of traction in the last few years. Uh, with People like Gabe Brown have talked extensively about them on his YouTube channel, and it's really got a great following in the Regen Ag circle. But do they work in the Australian context? Australia is very different to these uh, other environments. We don't have a snowfall. Uh, we don't have that big winter cool that naturally kills it off. We're a moisture-limited system and just things are very, very different over here. So really in Australia, their sole fit is just as a, a method of building up ground cover, covering the earth, increasing your fallow efficiency and increasing the amount of rainfall that you can store in your soil. Some cover crops are just a straight grass. They could be like an oats, rye corn, millet, sorghum, something like that. Uh, something that just grows up, creates a fair bit of biomass, then you go over the top, spray it out. Other people mix in a few other species and do a multi-species mix. You might get something in there like tillage radish or sunflower or something with a nice big taproot uh, that's going to go down and bust up the soil, improve that soil structure. Or they may work a few uh, legumes in there as well. You get some faba beans, field peas, lab lab, cow peas, something like that. Something that's going to fix a bit of nitrogen and just help build that soil in. However, I tend to find that the best cover crop for the Australian system is just a straight grass. Uh, and the reason for that is that we are purely, purely trying to just capture as much moisture as we can and store that in our soil. So if you have a straight grass and a quick growing grass like, say, a, a very rapid oats or rye corn or a um, sedan by sedan type forage sorghum with a heavy sowing rate, you can sow that in, get that up, spray it out and that'll give you plenty of biomass to bring you through and where that's really going to fit in the australian system is in a long fallow type situation so you're coming out of a crop like cotton and you're going through to something like oh, let's say wheat the following year so you're going to have a have a long fallow you're going to miss that winter cropping interval and then you're going to miss that summer crop and then you're going to plant in that winter crop so you're missing two cropping opportunities there which is what we'd call a long fallow. A short fallow being where you just miss that one cropping opportunity to build up your soil moisture. Example of that is you've, say, come out of wheat, missed the summer, and gone back in with, say, chickpeas or something the following year as a winter crop. So it is really on the tail end of a summer crop, I tend to find, in a long fallow situation. Cotton's a great example of this. Uh, cotton really leaves no stubble whatsoever. Uh, the whole crop gets mulched because it's a fairly woody plant. You've got a break up all that structure above the ground otherwise you won't be able to drive through it plant through it operate in it the uh, following year and on top of that just 
through the nature of cotton and pest management uh, just to manage a certain grub by the name of Helicoverpa. All cotton crops are meant to be mulched anyway at the end of the season. It leaves the soil very bare and occasionally if you're getting a lot of rain you might double crop straight back into that and uh, sow something like chickpeas or barley. But if the season doesn't look like it's going to go that way and doesn't look like you're going to get enough rain during the growing period to grow a sustainable and profitable crop, you might want to opt for something like a cover crop. Drill in a bit of rye corn or drill in oats, get them up and then spray them out, leaving the ground nice and covered. There's been a fair bit of trial work in the last couple of years done in northern New South Wales, which has really shown the advantage of this. Uh, a bit of work done in northern New South Wales really showed that if you were to grow a cover crop, spray it out late, and spray it out late where it had plenty of biomass but still hadn't set seed, it would densely cover the ground and pretty well capture every drop of rainfall that fell after that. Uh, another example done around Yalabin, which is on the New South Wales-Queensland border, it was in a, it wasn't in a moisture limited situation, it was in a irrigation cotton wheat rotation and they opted to try a range of cover crop species in there. They tried wheat, sprayed out early, sprayed out midway through the season. They had a rolling treatment in there I believe as well. Uh, so it was laid down flat to completely cover the ground and they had a cereal and legume treatment along with the tillage radish treatment. Now up there on those sodic oils where your moisture isn't really limited, it was the tillage radish that gave, actually gave the best result. Now that tillage radish was getting a root down, was getting right down in the soil, busting it up, cracking it open. It was really just letting that next cotton crop really get its roots down, right down in the soil profile and establish well. It really set it up for success and that was the best treatment overall. However, in that case the second best treatment was actually a cereal crop taken through to harvest there's about half a bale difference between them and to be honest that was probably the best economic result uh, as you're getting those two crops over one financial year um, it was probably where they were getting their best bang for buck but in terms of total yield and total benefit that tillage radish going through and busting up that soil was giving it the uh, the best result there so I guess where I've been trying to go with that is you've really just got to look at what you're trying to achieve and then work out what sort of system will be best for you. The reason why I'd advocate for it is just a straight cereal type cover crop in a situation where you're just talking about broad acre dry land cropping is because I think that is what's going to get your best bang for buck. It's going to give you the best chance of harvesting that extra rainfall and making the most out of the season coming ahead. And the reason why I'd stick away from mixing in those legumes and tillage radishes, well, they, they take up space, they take up nutrition. And your legumes, if you've got legumes in there, they're going to build up the amount of nitrogen there in the system, which is handy, but it sort of increases your carbon to nitrogen ratio, which also means your stubble's going to break down quicker. So the effects of your cover crop aren't going to last as long. It's not going to go as well, and it's not going to be as good as you were hoping. So something you're probably thinking is, well, what is this all going to cost? Basically, it can be as expensive or as cheap as you really want it to be. If you're to, you can do it really cheaply and just grab some old oats out of the silo, run it in with the air seeder, get it up, get it to a good height, then spray it out. Now, I'd always advocate that if you're going to be sowing something into the ground, you may as well take that as an opportunity to 
help boost your soil nutrition and start with a bit of starter. It just adds a bit more nutrition to the system. And in general, Australian soils could always do with a bit more nutrition. We're, we're generally low fertility. And uh, if you can get a bit more in there, it's always going to help. So, you know, adding that starter might add another 30 to $40 a hectare. But um, really, it can be as cheap or as expensive as you want to be. You can get right in there with the whole multi-species things, even though I, I think just in your normal dryland farming, it's best just to go with a straight grass or cereal type. You can buy a bit of seed, and your seed's probably going to cost you about 30 odd bucks a hectare. Sowing would work on about 40 bucks a hectare, so you're up to 70 there. And if you go with that bit of starter, you're probably looking at around, yeah, that, that's sort of 100 bucks a hectare all up. Now that does sound a bit dear, and you're going to need, you know, at least another half a ton of wheat to make up for it. But the other thing that you got to keep in mind is, during that time, that sort of two to three months that it's going to grow, you might do three fallow sprays in that time, which is probably going to cost you about the same amount, um, or just a bit under. You know, you might be looking at spending sixty bucks during that time in sprays anyway. So you're not that too far out, which you know it makes it a bit more workable. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, can I make a bit of money out of it? Can I graze it? Well, yeah, I guess you technically can, but I think that's defeating the purpose. You start grazing a cover crop. It's not so much a cover crop anymore. It's uh, really a, a, well, a forage crop or a uh, multi-species forage, depending on how you planted it. And that's really a whole topic for another day. Um, I believe there's plenty of advantages to having a multi-species forage crop. I think you probably get a more even graze across the paddock as the stock go and search out for the uh, varieties that they really like, the species in there that they're really chasing. And they don't really work out from a, a camp like uh, you'll see in an oats paddock where they'll chew out to bare earth, uh, working outwards from wherever they've been camping, whether it's by a trough or trees or just whatever around the, around the paddock. But in saying that, if you're in a high rainfall environment and what you're really looking for is just probably a bit of increased soil health and you're not limited by moisture the same way that most of the broadacre farmers are, it might be a viable option. Uh, it might be something that you can work in, but I think for the bulk of us, the bulk of those that are in a broadacre farming type situation, I think then you really just want to be focusing on getting something in, getting it up to the point where the ground is well and truly covered and spraying it out. Now in saying all of that, this is really still an emerging space and a lot more work needs to be done to increase our knowledge on cover crops. And I, where I'd really like to see a bit more trial work is the long-term impacts. You know, you have that, you have your grass treatment, you have your molly species, you have a legume treatment, you have your tillage radish treatment, you have that laid out in a proper replicated trial and then go back year on year after each crop, planting it, and trying to track long-term changes in the soil. Uh, soil test each year and just track any changes over time, particularly in that organic carbon and CEC. And nutrient levels. Uh, I suspect if you're continuously cover cropping and you're not adding more nutrients to the system, what you'll do is you'll bring more nutrition up from depth. It'll then break down, lay out on top, and that will lead to nutrient mining, which is a problem in its own. It's where your subsoil becomes depleted of nutrition and all ends up in the, you know, that sort of top five to ten centimetres. Uh, but again, that's a topic for another day. 
So as I said, I'd really like to see some long-term work and I'd like to see a fair bit of trial work done in the short fallow context. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced it is a sure thing for that long fallow situation where you're coming out of, again, that cotton crop or say a, uh, a dry land sorghum crop that's, you know, probably hasn't done too well. Uh, or just any other situation where you've come out of a crop, you haven't had a lot of stubble, and it's going to be at least a long fallow to your next cropping interval. I think that's where it's really got a good fit. I'd really like to see some work done in that uh, short fallow context. So what happens when you come out of a chickpea crop, faber bean crop, you know, these types of crops that don't produce a lot of stubble to begin with and then break down very quickly? Will we see a benefit in the following year's wheat crop, canola crop, whatever it is, from having that cover crop in behind it? That's where I'd really like to see a bit more trial work done. Well, that's pretty well wrapped me up on cover crops. If there's anything more you'd like to know, hit up the website in thepaddockpodcast.com or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, wherever you can find me. And uh, yeah, ask away and I'll either include it in another show or get back to you directly with an answer. Please remember that this advice is generally in nature and always consult your own expert before acting on what you've heard here. Thanks for listening to the In The Paddock podcast. Hopefully you took something out of it that'll help you on your farming journey. Please remember to subscribe so you can stay tuned for the latest shows. Remember to like, share, rate and review to help others find us. Until next time, keep at it.